really like a Jesus series. This really in a series as much as this, one of the explorations in returning to God is knowing what we're returning to. All right. I know a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus, but I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot of people that know Jesus. And I promise you the difference between about and physic and actually knowing is going to be a big difference when you reach heaven. But like, man, I know all about you. I know your greatest hits. I know everything you did. I was at Sunday school. I heard all these things. But you and I both know, I know a lot of people that that know a lot about Jesus, but I wouldn't call them Christian. Just being honest. I wouldn't wouldn't call them godly. There's a lot of people I know who know the salvation message that know what it takes to be saved and have never set foot a day in the life in the church, never will, never will join believers, never will celebrate or worship God ever in their life. Uh, never do anything like that. Listen, I don't think you have to come to church every Sunday to be saved. What I do think is this, the church will happen in your life. Now, that doesn't mean this organized thing that we've created on Sunday. What I'm saying is this, church will happen because you will find yourself with other believers. You will find yourself at a home with other believers praying together. You will find yourself somewhere together uh, talking about the great things God has done in your life. Because here's the one thing we all need. We all have to have friends. We all have to have friends, and friends encourage us. They build us up, and one thing's for sure. Somebody who knows the Lord is built up in the Lord. There's no other way to be, all right? And so when we really want to build each other up, I can't build up anybody. I don't have any power. I don't have any ability. to. I can use words, but here's the thing is once I learn God's words, I can build you up with his words because his words are life. His words are life. They'll extend past me. You know, I can, I can talk a lot. I can give you a lot of advice, but the best advice I can give you is any kind of advice that comes straight from Scripture. Why? Because it's living advice. It's advice that's applicable your entire life, not just seasonal. And I tell you that the truth of that is really found uh, when we give like relational advice. You want to really know what godly advice is? Listen to somebody talk about relational advice. Here's one of the things that I've learned. Now, a lot of this is because we're human and we struggle with relationships. I mean, we, we, you know, like, let's just be honest. We don't want hateful people in our life. We don't want jealous people in our life. We don't like people who tear us down, who bring us down, and all these other things. But the truth of the matter is, God allows a lot of those things in your life to be catalyst. He allows a lot of those things in your life just to be catalyst in your life. For all the people I think that, like, get on my nerves, I think God does that. It's like Paul's thorn in his side. I'm just doing it so you'll understand grace, how much you need and how everybody else needs because the truth of the matter is, it's like God's, by not removing the thorn in Paul's side, I don't want to get into the whole scripture of it. Uh, uh, if you hadn't heard about it, it's in Corinthians where he says, man, I prayed three times for this thing to go. How many of you prayed for things to go and they've never gone? Uh, welcome to grace. He says, my grace is enough. My grace is enough. Should be a self-reflection on you. It should be a time where you reflect on you. Why is it causing you so much grief? Why is it causing you so much pain? Why is it causing you an issue? Right? I, I, I always love Spurgeon. It says, he that, de, uh, that deserves nothing should be content with anything. Uh, by the way, if you think you're owed something, you already have a false view of your own self. He that deserves nothing. You are the person who deserves nothing. You have sinned before the Lord. You do not deserve grace. You do not deserve what God wants to give you freely. But that's why we love God, because he's given us grace. We should be content with anything that happens in life. Why? Because we're not owed anything. We're going to push in. The whole idea is, again, to know Jesus, know Jesus. So it's just a cool thing this week, like I said in the announcements, that I came back from Padre. We had a great time. I could have easily stayed another day. 
uh, the weather was great. It was like 91 at the hottest. And uh, I think underneath the tent little thing that we had, it was probably like 85 is what it felt like because the wind coming off the water was so cold uh, that it was just nice. I mean, it, it was easy to get sunburned. Some of the kids, well, a lot of the kids got sunburned because when it feels so good on your skin, you can't tell that the sun is just bleaching you. And so, uh, or as my wife calls it, sun-kissed. <laughs> but I'm going to be so tan. Uh-huh, yeah, you are in a couple days. <laughs> Once the reptile skin peels off, something underneath there will be there. That's correct. And, 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 but she, is, she loves it. She is right. She turns into like a little mermaid. And, and uh, she, I don't think she wanted to spend too much time underneath the tent. She would actually go out there and just lay out there in the sun at the beach. And like that's enough for her. She could just live right there. And uh, she's funny. Like the whole time down, if we could have had a church down here, we could just pick everybody up and move them down here. I saw some property available. We can just, we'll get a church down here and we'll all go to Padre for church. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cool thing about going on vacations, things like that, they do allow opportunities that are like very different. You're running at, a, you're slowing down life. Everything is, is different and uh, allows you to get some rest in. And it's weird because you like work hard on a vacation. Like we got up every morning for breakfast and I was thinking, that's a lot of work, <laughs> but I enjoyed the breakfast. And uh, I didn't have to, not like I had to cook it, but still, I felt bad like my wife. But she's so happy because she's at the beach. It's a totally different mindset how you can work on your vacation and still feel rested. Because your mind's different. I mean, she's focused on nothing else, nothing that involves work, nothing that involves church. I'm pretty sure she didn't even think about parenting. And just, I'm enjoying the beach, better not ruin it. And it was good. It was really good. Really good. And so, we're, you know, we love being able to approach the Bible and go, man, we're going to talk about Sabbath. It was like, what a week to come back and, and be able to talk about Sabbath. So we'll start here, verse, or chapter 6, verse 1. Just going to read the first five verses, and we'll stop and kind of go on. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain. They rubbed the husk off in their hand and ate the grain. But some Pharisee says, why are you breaking the law, harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did and he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus said to the Son of Man, is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So we want to talk about this day of rest today. Great time to do it is during the summer to talk about Sabbath. Because we see people going all over places. Like I see you on your Facebook. You, you, some of you have gone to get away a little bit, have had a weekend or a day or something like that where you've gotten away. And I, I have said it in here from the pulpit. I'll be the first one to tell you, get away. Take a Sunday off. Use the weekend. I realize you work Monday through Friday that the weekend is all you have. All right? You're not going to feel a guilt trip coming from the platform here. You're not going to hear it from me. I'm just like you. I work for a living too. I've got, I, when I have time to be off, I'm going to utilize that time to be off. Period. I want to be off. I want to go do these things that I can do. And there are sometimes, especially during the summer, when I have my, it's the only time I'm going to have my kids where it, my life is not regulated by Marble Falls Independent School District uh, where I can do something with them. And we usually do wait towards the end of the summer to do something like this because uh, school's ramping back up and it's usually a little bit nicer. There's not as many people out and things like that. And it's kind of our last little nice breath really before the school starts. Everybody needs a Sabbath. And this isn't a new thing. This thing starts all the way back in Genesis. God built the world and everything in it. 
And on the last day, he rested. And this, this is part of the laws that God handed down to Moses. It wasn't designed to become part of a legalistic tradition. It was designed to give you an opportunity to rest and reflect. Over the years now, the Sabbath has become corrupt, especially at this point with Jesus because of the leadership of its day. Uh, they had added uh, very strict guidelines and rules that dictated exactly the limitations of the Sabbath. Reminds me of the Daniel fast. I kind of talked about it in here when we were doing the Daniel fast talk to where like Daniel fast started like I ain't no good thing. And it really doesn't give you a huge description about everything Daniel ate. But if you go to like danielfast.org, uh, that guy ate everything but meat. I mean, like, there are so much stuff in there to eat. It's unreal, like, how legalistic we've become about fasting, uh, how, how many rules we've set up for all these different things now. And, and this is kind of what the Pharisees done. They had taken something God had done, and they began to say, well, this is work, this is work, this is work, this is work. And so they labeled rules, like, on top of it as guidelines, right? Most, most all things like this start out good. Like, truthfully, like somebody asked, well, what is work? I don't want to do anything that sins against God. And so, like, I want to create some standards, right? It starts out really good, but then when you break it, it's all of a sudden you're like the worst thing ever, and you feel awful, and you feel guilty, and I think that's not what necessarily what God intended for your rest to be. Oh, why don't you rest and sit in your guilt? Uh, I don't think that's what God intended with the Sabbath. But they had placed so much hardship on it. The Sabbath had become just another rule to be followed and less about giving you a time to take a breath and reflect upon the goodness of God. I remember one uh, time reading as I began to do a lot of studies in, in, in you know, I wouldn't call it seminary, but I, in studying about the Bible and, and all the classes that I took. And it talked about how legalistic the Pharisees had become on the day of rest. Uh, for instance, they didn't want you leaving your house. And so they had developed a line at where your house was. So that wherever the borderlines were, that's where you could go or anything within the, the, the confines. And so they would literally like take a brick. That way they'd never really left their home, right? It sounds like something a child would think about, right? Technically, I never left my own mom. I carried it with me. I mean, like That sounds like what a kid would do. I, I think about this and I think, man, these are grown men acting like this. Grown men. And so, I, you know, they, again, they, they kind of messed it up. But it was meant to be something good. It's like okay if you miss. It's like okay if you go have a time where it's a rest or reflection or spend time with your family. I promise you when you get to heaven or it, 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 when the time you're laying on the deathbed and you're reflecting upon your life, it won't be, man, I wish I went to church more. Listen, if you know Jesus, that's not going to be an issue because Jesus will be in all of your life. First of all, the born-again believer life is a life that's consumed by Christ. I always loved Brennan when he always talked about how he met Christ. He says, uh, uh, I met, or he says, I was ambushed by Christ, is what he says. Because, man, he's been in my life ever since. I've been taken. I've been taken from him. So Christ is in my life forever. So the one thing I want to do, though, I guarantee you, is going to be, I want to spend the rest of my life with my friends and with my family. I'm always going to be in Christ. There is nothing I'm going to do that's not going to be in Christ. We're going to talk about Christ. We're going to worship. We're going to praise God. Why? Because I love him. And because I love him, he's as much in my life as my wife is, if not more. He's as much, if not more, in my life as my kids are. So it's going to be at the dinner table when we sit down. Christ is going to be there when we're watching movies or TV and hanging out. Where I think I see Christ a lot at is when we all laugh. 
I think there's so much Christ in that when we just sit around and we laugh. I, this is where I love like the book, The Shack, when he would talk about, there were times in the, in the, in the, in the book, The Shack, I don't know if you've read it, but there's a time where like Jesus laughs at the guy because uh, uh, he approaches him. It's a fiction story, obviously, but he approaches him and says, uh, oh, hey, would you like to walk on the water? And the guy's like, yeah, I'd love to walk on the water. And he steps out there and, it's, and he sinks about like two inches, right? Totally gets his shoes all wet. And Jesus is like, we always take off our shoes, man. That's you're going to get it wet, bro. And I laughed so hard when I read that, right? And Jesus is like laughing at the guy like it's a joke, <laughs> you know? And I was like, that's the Jesus I love right there. I love that kind of Jesus that, that, that's funny, you know? I mean, like, that's funny. And in the same book, he's also the Jesus that they're both sitting back against this grassy knoll area looking at the stars and both, even Jesus, even though he created these things, is still both in all of it, in the beauty of it. I mean, who didn't want to hang out with Christ like that? And so like, this is the Sabbath where we reflect on these moments where Christ is in those kind of moments where we sit back and we show our kids the stars, where we, we go out to the beach and, and I walk the beach up and down looking for shells with my little girl. Christ is there, right? And I can tell you one thing as I'm sitting with my, my feet in the sand listening uh, to the waves crashing in and out. And, and the, one of the things like the Lord is speaking to me, even in that moment of rest, because I'm not really looking for anything. I, I'm not saying, God, give me some crazy wisdom. But as, even as I'm looking at creation, you can tell that when you're starting to carry Christ everywhere you go, I look at creation and let me tell you something, the waves are crashing in. And guess what? In the evening, it's the same thing. They're crashing in. But can I tell you, the, the, there's a big difference between the tide going out and the going in. And it's funny to me that the waves never stop crashing. And I can't really tell when the tide's going in and out until, unless I see it from the morning and see the drastic change in the evening, like where the, the shorelines are. To me, it all looks the same and it all sounds the same, but isn't it interesting? Those are the things God tries to teach you. Like even though the sound may never change and it still looks like everything's crashing in, things are happening that I can't see. Listen, that, that's a, like a rhema word for me while I was enjoying a day of rest. Why? Because I carry Christ everywhere I go. I carry Christ everywhere. Christ always wants to teach me, even when I'm resting. Even when I'm out there enjoying, like, oh, wow, this is amazing, God. This is so, I can't, it's hard to fathom that, you know, a third of the earth is covered in water, and this thing is crashing in here, and how all of this ecosystem works, and, and I just carry God everywhere. And shows to you, right? You should. <laughs> have you set a time every week to have a, to have a Sabbath? Have you guarded it? You should. You should. Most people rarely keep a Sabbath. They rarely unplug from the world and just relax. You need to. Uh, but it's hard, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I have three kids. Two of them have phones. That means I have four iPhones in my house. I have an Xbox. I have Netflix, DVD player, cable. It's hard to unplug. And computers. All right? It's hard to unplug. Um, my, my daughter, Rachel, is enjoying her first job at the movies, and over summer, she's taken a few extra shifts, and she's absolutely enjoyed the money that more hours can, can bring. However, she's admitted to me that she's been struggling to sleep because she's working at her sleep. She's like, you know how many people I've gotten popcorn for sitting in my bed? <laughs> right? All of you laugh. You've been there, right? Like, you, you remember your first job where you, like, worked a lot? Right. And then like you like wake up and like I'm like in bed like, oh, I'm good back in bed here. I'm like making popcorn and drinks for everybody. Right. She feels like she's never left work. Right. <clears throat> and so she gets up and she's not rested because she's been working all night. Right. So listen, if you're there, you need a Sabbath. <laughs> you need some time off, man. 
All right? That's, that's too much. Your brain's like, hey, it's like your brain's trying to tell you there's a problem. There's a problem, man. You're working so much, we're working at night now. All right? And the funny thing about subconscious you doesn't want to work like uh, awake you does. Okay? Uh, in the days of Christ, the Pharisees, they'd instituted all these rules and regulations with taking the Sabbath. They'd become the rulers of the Sabbath in doing so. By creating these standards that dictated what the Sabbath was, they became the authority on the Sabbath. And the funny thing, there's always someone trying to rule someone else, and they always use some kind of legalistic means to do so. And in this passage this morning, Jesus kind of reminds them of a great truth, that the Son of Man is a Lord even over the Sabbath. You can't have God's Sabbath. It's God's. I don't care what else you do. The funny thing is, I think that we go, Sabbath means that you're supposed to get up, dress as nice as you can, and come to church. And I'm going to tell you, there's generations that have been told that. That's sad. Because that's not exactly what he had in mind. I think we work twice as hard for a grace that came to us for free. I'll just be honest, man. I, I, there's nowhere where God says, if you don't... Listen, I get the, the generation that said, hey, we think you should put on your best. I, I'm for that. But is my be- I'm going to tell you right now, my best won't... If you put me in a suit and tie, you won't get my best. You just won't. You'll get somebody who's not me. You'll get an act, and if I'm not careful, I can become the person that's uh, some, I'm, I'm a certain way in a suit and tie, and I'm a certain way when I'm dressed regularly. The, the, what allows, what I, one of the things about being able to dress however I want to dress when I come and talk with you is that I, I feel like uh, I'm never two people. My kids will tell you that too. And most of you who know me, you know that I'm the same way here that I am in my life. Like, I'm never two people. There's not the person who takes the platform and then the person who comes over here and hang out with you or anything like that. And most of you have been on retreats with me. You've been at places where you've seen me in private. This is how I am all the time. I talk about God all the time. That thing doesn't shut off for me. It doesn't turn itself off and then I'm one way over here. That doesn't happen. I'm able to stay that way because I keep a Sabbath. <laughs> There's a time where I guard for myself. There are things that I do guard for myself. I also believe in a season of work. There's times where I just work. But then there's also times where I take lengthy Sabbaths. Jesus instituted the Sabbath. God wants you to rest. He didn't place all the rules around you. He just said rest. And listen, we all rest differently. Jesus and his friends were only walking through the field, grabbing a few grains along the way. They weren't harvesting the whole field. It was a few here and there, the Bible says. It wasn't labor intensive. I mean, come on, it was happenstance. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've done that before, walking across pastures and just kind of plucking at stuff as I'm walking. That's about all it was. And they just happened to be walking through. The Pharisees couldn't see past this thing that they had made. They had made the Sabbath become this thing. And they couldn't see past it. And I wonder if we all do that a little. I wonder if we take something from God that was meant for good and we manipulate it to understand it and then impose uh, everyone else to our rationality. I mean, I love uh, Matt Redman's song. I've often thought about naming the, uh, if I do another book, to name the book after this, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it. And coming back to the heart of worship where it says they went on a month-long fast from all things worship. At a church, I don't know about if you, if you don't know who Matt Redman is, that dude has so many worship albums out and is considered one of the foremost writers of a lot of songs out there. For that church to go ahead and take a back seat and say, hey, we've kind of gotten a little crazy with how we're singing and playing and how weird this has gotten where worship is starting to be worshipped. And so they took a back seat. And, and a month later, I think maybe, I think it was even longer than a month, it, it was a long time they had gone with just singing 
like acapella and not doing any music stuff or just bypassing music altogether. And then coming out of that, he wrote the song, uh, Heart of Worship. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you. Uh, I, I feel like we do that to everything in Christianity. We take this good thing that God has handed us and we make it something else. And then we impose our rationality, the, the thing that we understand upon everybody as the only way. Because it's the only way I can see it, therefore it must be the only way. And then there it is, you're now subjected to it. And if you don't sub submit to it, all of a sudden you're the bad guy. I don't sound like a lot of like grace to me. So I, I couldn't help but think, you know, who's, who's our Pharisee in our life? Who are the people who are always condemning us for believing like the way we do? And if we're not careful, who are we the Pharisees to? Just food for thought. The Lord is who determines what's right and good. The Lord hands out grace in all matters. And so, 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 so we must too. The Sabbath was created for us and not the other way around. It was created for us. All right? It's meant to help you, not to become another rule or burden. All right? I get it. There's some times where you got to work and work and work and work. But know this, when that season stops, you need rest. And you need to take time and you need to guard it. And there doesn't need to be anybody in your life guilt tripping you over the time you take. All right? Let's keep pushing forward. Uh, Luke 6, 6 through 11. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was at, in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. <laughs> Once again, Jesus finds himself on the Sabbath day with the Pharisees and religious leaders watching his literally every move. Jesus knows that if he heals this man, uh, that it's going to upset him. And he don't, listen, he doesn't do it to get them angry. Know this. He's trying to teach them something. He's trying to reach them. We have a tendency to look at the Pharisees as less than people. But the truth is, Jesus died for them too. He wanted them to see the truth, but years of rules and religion, they just got this firm hold on their heart. But it doesn't stop Jesus from trying. Jesus heals the man. By the way, there's like no bad day for a healing. Amen? <laughs> You've got to love the last sentence. It says that they were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Jesus spoke the truth, even if it meant dying. Even if it meant dying. He spoke this truth and stood up against the religious nonsense, not to show that he was right, but so that you would be free from the bondage of such rules and men who desire power through the enforcing of such rules. Because ultimately, that's what they want. They want everybody to submit. They want everybody, they stay in power, they stay in authority. We rarely realize how quickly we fall into the rules of religion. I, man, in our life, too. I mean, it, it, it'll show its head very quickly. I've always said this if, you're not, if you had never been a Pharisee uh, in your Christian walk, uh, then you haven't been a Christian very long. Because at some point, you will get to the place where you will think yourself better than someone else. 
or you hadn't been a Christian very long. At some point, you will start to look at, I don't, I don't know why they don't come to church. The same reason you never came to church. Probably, first of all, because very few people really ask somebody. Second, because nobody's really all that friendly. It's like something happens to you once you get inside the doors. All of a sudden, you become so godly that you forgot what it was like just to be a human being. One of the greatest things I think the Lord did to, to me is, is give me back a job and put me back around people who go act normal like the rest of the world acts uh, during the week. Because I'm, I'm around people just like you are that they're going to say a few words. They've got a whole different language. I used to have that language too, right? And I'm reminded, okay, there's some work to be done, right? I know it took me a while. I'm, I'm reminded to reflect back upon. See, when I have my Sabbath, I can reflect back on who I used to be. I can reflect back on the grace and the time that it took me to be, be where I'm at today so I can give them grace back as well. See, if your Sabbath is not helping you love people, I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't much of a Sabbath. If you're doing more loving of yourself on your Sabbath, mm, I, I better not preach that one. But God has put me back in there where people, they're going to have a few drinks at night. They're going to have, listen, it's not, for me to, it's not for me to judge them. It's not for me to, to, to come against them. Man, if, if they're going to do something, I, mean, I, I saw one of my buddies got married and I was like, man, I wish I could be with them. I know those guys are going to go back, kick back, have a few drinks and smoke some weed. And the thing is, I want to go be around them. I do. I'm strong enough at this stage of the game that I can be. I can tell you if you said 15 years ago, mm -mm, uh uh. And that wasn't because I didn't love them, it's because I just knew me. There were some things I needed to come out of, and I knew that I was not strong enough to go back into some of those things. But let's not get confused about what grace is, though. Grace says that God loves them right where they're at. And here's the thing is the one of the things that I've learned about where God's had held me right now, at least, uh, is God has given me the, the grace to which to give that to now. And man, we need to pray for that because I think that's a struggle. I, I realize there's sometimes we can't go around what was old because, man, we're not ready to. I get that. I get that. And we need to be okay with that, all right? Because we, we, we don't need to return back into the things God has pulled us out of, okay? But in time, God will. God will ask you and God will put you right back in those scenarios. And it's been good for me. But make no mistake, I could easily step back into the fact that, well, man, I'm going to the church. Why aren't you going to the church? And apply all the same things God has, I've worked through with God. I could apply all those things on them and then look down on them and judge them somehow. Every time you think that you're coming to church somehow makes you more holy than anyone else, you've fallen for the lie of religion. Every time you think someone is in leadership that they somehow have arrived, you have fallen for the lie of religion. Every time you think what you do and how you act is what saves you, rather than believing in Christ and accepting Him as Savior, you've fallen for the lie of religion. And every time you think that you're better than someone else because you're saved, you've fallen for the lie of religion. You're the same. The only difference between you and someone else is that by grace you've received Christ. By grace. And then it says by faith, right? Through faith. And then the Bible is very careful to say, and not even that was all you. That was a gift that was given to you from God so that you can not boast in any part of the work of salvation. Now, I could keep going on and on, but I think you get the point. The greatness of the Sabbath is this. It allows you to reflect on all of these things. Reflect upon the grace of God. Reflect upon the glory of God. One of the things that I reflected back on while I was there was how poor the English language is. There is not enough adjectives to describe the grace of God. There is not enough beauty in the world to describe the beauty of the Lord, right? I love, uh, I spoke already about Brennan, but Brennan once said this that I love too. He says, man, 
uh, he goes, uh, he apologizes in his book for using so many adjectives. He says, but let's be honest. When it comes to the Lord, anything that, that talks about his beauty, his love, his passion, all these things, there aren't enough adjectives. There, it's, 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 it is a, what did he say? It was a story meant to be exaggerated. There's some, some stories that can only be told through exaggeration. And when it comes to God's love and when it comes to, you can't exaggerate it big enough. You can't magnify it enough. There, there's just not enough words. And when I look out in the vastness and I see the glory of God through his creation, I see what it does to my wife and to my kids, how literally their attitudes and everything change while we're on a Sabbath, right? I see the goodness of God in rest. I see the goodness of God in rest. The Sabbath allows you to just stop your life long enough to notice the issues within your own heart when it's on track and when it's off. Resting allows your, your mind the opportunity to evaluate your own, your own spiritual self. Is everything right there? When you're in the middle of spiritual and physical battles of your life, you don't have time for those kind of things. You don't have time for them. And yet God has commanded us to take some time and rest. Go on the vacation. Go on your vacations. I went to South Padre. Some of you went to Disney. Some of you just took off, man, and you had hotel rooms somewhere, and you went there. Some of you miss you went boating or you went hanging out with your friends. Go, go. Some of you just need to cook out in your backyard, man. Invite a bunch of family over and laugh a little. Put, go get you a little, go get what we, we've, we've uh, done a Tim Hawkins thing in here before. I don't know if he's a Christian comedian. Hilarious. One of the funniest, funnest times I've had is just bringing a bunch of adults in, throwing that DVD on, and all of us laughing hard at how much he makes fun of all the Christian stuff. It's so funny. All right? Rest. Take some time to get your breath back so that you can come back into this world and go back to work. The harvest fields aren't going anywhere, guys. Right? <laughs> it's the only... Listen, one of the things I'm really confident of, God, God meant for us to labor. There's no... Hands down. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it, the Bible's pretty explicit that we're meant to subdue the earth straight in from Genesis. Jesus kind of says, listen, anybody who looks back from the plowshare, but make no mistake... He also is the same Jesus who created the Sabbath. He wants you to rest, but when you're, when you're to work, you're to be working because he's given you time to rest, all right? That's why he has no problem with a good work ethic. He wants you to have a good work ethic because he's allowed you an opportunity to rest. So rest and then get back to work and let's get this thing done. And little by little, we'll start to see the fruit of it. The Sabbath is also a time to remember that you can't work hard enough to accomplish the God dreams of your life. You need God. <laughs> Mentally, physically, spiritually. Sabbath grounds us. It causes us to reflect on how much we need God in every part of our life. You can't work. In a, if, listen, if you can accomplish it all by yourself without God, then it wasn't God. That's all you. God dreams are dreams that require God. That's pretty simple. That means that you can't do it no matter how hard you work to accomplish it. It is God. You need God to show up in some key moments, in some key areas to make things take place. Sabbaths remind you that you cannot work hard enough just to accomplish things, that you need God to help you. So here you are on Sunday. At my house, it's officially called nap day. <laughs> You could be out swimming, you could be boating and fishing or whatever, but you're here. And you're here not because you need to be in church to be saved, because that isn't true. You're here because you love Jesus. Because being here helps you reflect on the goodness of God in your life. I wish more people said that in church. I just wish more people said that, hey, 
you're not here because you have to. You're, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. I can't tell you a time I ever heard a pastor say that. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to go there. You're here because being around others who believe like you do encourages your heart. It's an encouragement to your soul. Because Christ-like people help you become Christ-like. That's why you're here. You're not here because we do the greatest worship in town, because we don't. You're not here because I'm the greatest preacher. I can go tell you who the good preachers are. There's some really good ones in the Highland Lakes area that are way better than me. You're here because you want to be Christ-like and you see something in here that makes you think you can find it here. Praise God. Because that's all anybody, anybody can hope for. The greatest preacher is just hoping to be Christ-like and create other people who desire to be Christ-like. What I don't want you to be, and I don't ever want to be from the platform, so I'm very careful to say there's always one shepherd and it ain't me. You know, um, there's only one father and it ain't a Catholic priest. All right? There's only one. I'm very careful about saying those things because I don't, want, I don't need more me. I don't need more people like me. I know they say as the, as the pastor goes, so goes the pew. But that's more in the direction of leadership and following kind of thing. But what we need, I need the best you. <laughs> I need you to desire Christ and, and what Christ looks like in you. I need you to be that. I don't need more me's. I need, I need all you just to be you, individually unique and wonderfully made. Because that's what's going to grow things. That's the diversity, the beauty of diversity. The beauty of being different. Being set apart. I know we don't see that enough in the church, the, the beauty of being set apart because we're so busy trying to look like the world. That's a whole other sermon. But the truth of the matter is celebrate being set apart. Celebrate being Christ in you. Celebrate those things. Use your Sabbath to pray over these things. I never get upset about how many people are in our kind of service on Sunday. I, I, they'll tell you I never ask. I never ask how many people are here on a Sunday. Because um, it's not your attendance that's required in serving Christ. Um, God's not looking like, hey, bro, you're just doing not good. Your, your numbers are down. Just want to let you know. I'm like, that doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't really care. Um, what I think God cares about is our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And I think he wants to be all those things. Uh, God sent you in this world to a world that desperately needs you. And it needs you to be on top of your game. Plain and simple. I mean, if I've done anything today to try to encourage you, it's, it's one thing for sure. I, uh, yeah, I want you to go take a rest. So that when you come back to work, you work. So that you work. So take off on a Sunday. That's great. And when we have something come up and we need helpers, I need you to volunteer. And when we have retreats that require us to come together in unity, be a part of them. Be a part of them. The, 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 we're, we're marked by our unity and our love for one another. Right? I, I love how early, um, early church, Book of Acts, was they weren't called Christians. They were called the way. And it wasn't about they were associated, like called themselves after Christ. The way was a name given to them by everybody else. They didn't call themselves anything. They lived to model their life after Christ. And they didn't brag about that. They didn't like post videos of how good they are at it. They didn't uh, uh, place themselves up so everybody can see the works that they did. They were called that because after enough small people who nobody ever heard of, which by the way, they don't give us any names, this, this movement 
was started from a bunch of people that have no names and no faces. The last, by the way. That's who they were. They were the last. The least of these, as, as, as some translations would say. And this movement was created through their heart to be Christ-like. It's all. That's it. And, and, and I think, I think with, with the Sabbath, if we'll reflect on those things, becoming not the best us we can be, the best Christ we can be, right? Because I know we all struggle there. Let, like I said about the thorns, uh, we all got them, right? They're, they're there to help you shape out, mold itself out. Uh, last thing real quick, and, and talking about molding, I just, just thought of it real quick. Some of you might have heard this before. It's old. When I was in the Marine Corps, one of the things that I did was demolitions. And in demolitions, uh, we worked a lot with C4. Uh, if you don't know what that is, like a clay-like substance, like Play-Doh a little bit, a little bit thicker. Uh, it's like whitish gray. It'll shape to whatever you want to shape, blow stuff up. Really fun school to go to, demolition school, fun school. I mean, blowing stuff up is like, it's like a kid's dream. And uh, that's why I need hearing aids. And uh, so we, we get this stuff, and it's like, you just think, oh, I just stick this thing in it. We, we get a shock to it. It's going to blow itself up. That's all there is to it. It's actually not. There's a whole lot of physics involved. They actually will show you what they call us a thing called a shape charge. A shape charge is when they take just a piece of it, just a piece, small little piece, and they begin to shape it like a certain shape. What they would do is we would find like a can or anything that's circular and begin to create a cone inside the can. And we could take a smaller piece of C4 and depending on how we shaped it, create an explosion to the same equivalent as a bigger piece of C4. So we could get more, you know, uh, a more ex- a, a, a just as big as explosion and yet half the, half the C4 that we would need to use, right? Listen, our faith is a lot of the same way. Our faith is a lot of the same way. It's the same concept, same idea. God, God's empowered, like everything testifies of God. And, and how that works is the same way. The faith is the same way. You've been given what? Everybody says like a mustard seed is what the Bible says. This mustard seed. How's a mustard? And it says a mustard seed could move mountains, right? Well, here's, I mean, just telling you from a Marine who thinks like this. I think of that mustard seed a lot like a shape charge. The thing about a shape charge is it starts out one way. Then I got to break a piece off. And then I got to mold it and I knead on it a little bit and I have to shape it. Now think about for you, that doesn't feel good. Never feels good. That's part of your work in the field, right? God's kneading on you. He's working you out. He's shaping you into this thing that you're going to become to make you twice the explosion so that the work that you do, right? The work that you do, you don't need a whole bunch of faith because your faith that, that even though it seems so small, carries such a big, because God's molding you all the time. He's shaping you to become the charge you're supposed to be all the time. So you, you always see yourself as small and little and insignificant. And the funny thing is, is that, man, some of those smallest things have the biggest explosions. And in the Marine Corps, that's one of those things we learned that I thought was, when I came into the Christian faith and was learning a lot about faith, that's how I applied faith. Wow, so I don't need a lot of faith. I mean, I, didn't, I don't need a lot. I just need God to shape it just right. But who in here wants to be shaped? That junk hurts. Right? That's the stuff you like pray. Please, Lord, let this person get out of my life. Let these thorns be gone. Let my life be easy. But God's trying to tell you, man, I'm trying to shape your life. I know the work is hard. I know the work isn't easy. So take a time. Rest a little bit. Rest a bit. I'm going to give you a time where I'm not going to just manipulate it so much. Hey, how about I keep my hands off on the Sabbath? 
On the Sabbath, I'll just start revealing you to the things that I've shaped and molded you into. So when I finally do, ready to unleash you, you might not seem like you're very much, and you might not think you, you see very much in you, but the world is yet to see that it doesn't take very much to make something really big and great. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. I'm going to give you rest today. I'm going to pray you out, and I'm going to pray that you go get rest today. I'm going to pray you kick your feet up, you get you some sweet teas, you sit in your lazy boy, and you be lazy. Somebody say amen. amen. Bet you ain't heard no preacher say that, have you? <laughs> we used to have a guy at camp say that. When camp's over, I'm just going to tell you guys, recliner, sweet tea. <laughs> amen. Let's pray. Father, right now, Lord. I pray that, God, that uh, just today will be a day of rest for them, God, that as, they, as Monday approaches, Lord, and all the things that need to get done, God, that can happen tomorrow, that all those things will take place then, that, Lord, that we will set aside our time to think about it, and we won't begin to allow anxiety or worry to creep back into today, God, that we will let today carry itself forward, God, that, Father, you begin to protect their heart and their mind from tomorrow and the worries of such things, God. Lord, build them up. Show them what you're doing in their, in their lives, God. Show them what you're doing. Show them how you're molding them and making them. Use this opportunity, this Sabbath, God, uh, Lord, to, to, to just have them reflect on all the times when you've stepped in there and you've helped them out or you've begun to uh, uh, show them that the things that seemed thorny and the, the things that, that seemed like uh, was moving and breaking them even at times, God, that, that Lord, that it was for something more and something greater to help develop them into becoming the image of Jesus Christ, your, your entire purpose for God. And Lord, keep them, keep them safe from from things that would try to come against their minds, God, and like, like anxiety, like worry, like financial stuff and junk and trash. God, Father, that you are the God of all these things, God. May their concerns fall upon you, God. May their worries fall upon you and your altar, God. Lord, teach them to set aside a place that on the Sabbath, whether it's they start their morning there or they end their day there, God, where they end it or start by praising you and giving you the praise you deserve, Father. Let them speak life today to one another, to build each up. May, may the Sabbath day for them be a day of encouragement, that they may build each other up in their faith, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.